If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. So rolls enough that both are faded love and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. Davis to step up in the pocket, gonna heave it for the end zone, and it is caught. It's caught. It's a touchdown, Whitley. Going to throw. Throws back. He's on the Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts. This is your home for Texas high school football here on Dash Sports. I'm joined by my co-host, Tobin, again. Uh, sorry that we haven't uh, been as active. Both of us have been in and out of the sickness this week. Um, we're da- we were down with the sickness. More or less. We didn't really go. But then uh, you got me off track. Come on, Tobes, do better than that. We're headed into week seven here across the state of Texas. District is in full swing, and that means rivalry games are everywhere. We've got some primetime picks for you. Our game of the week, we're going to bring you our mini scouting report, make some picks, and give you some players to watch. Tobin, um, I guess before we get into those two things, you got any quick notes that you want to get off your chest? Yeah, I mean, the games of the week we picked last week um, were just all really, really solid. First off, we'll go with Santo and Munster. Santo edged out a really close win, 21-17, which I can only imagine was a slugfest. And then um, huge game, huge district implications between Hampshire, Finette, and Jasper. And Jasper went in and got a a big win over a top-10 ranked Hampshire Finette team to really kind of take uh, control of that district and and up in the dfw area grapevine got a huge win over heritage um massive i believe that was a four versus six matchup like a, a top 10 matchup and then columbus took down madisonville pretty handedly in the second half it was kind of close at half and um that was a madisonville team that was in the top 10 in 4ad2 just two weeks ago so I think uh, they've got one. They've got a matchup with a really talented defense this week against Hallsville, but Columbus has kind of certified themselves as one of the teams to beat in that absolutely loaded three AD one region. I think. Yeah, their one. offense. I mean, they their their offense is has to be a top offense in three A. Just with the numbers they're putting up, it has to be top five. There's a lot of murmurs around town that this might be one of the best teams they've had in a long, long time. But that was last week. We're moving on to this week. we got some new rankings for you. As we said, there was some upsets in multiple divisions. Tobin, do you want to start with 2A? So, yeah, Jordy, I'll start it off with 2AD2. So coming in at number one, we have Mark, and they will be taking on Coach Gibson and the Frost Polar Bears. Coming in at number two, we have the Burton Panthers, and they'll be taking on Luis. At number three, we have Wellington, and they will be playing Shamrock. Number four, we have the Wink Wildcats, and they'll be going up against the El Dorado Eagles. At number five, we have Chilton, and they'll be taking this will be a top 10 ranked matchup as they'll be taking on number eight, Bremon. 
At number six, we have the Price Carlisle Indians, and they'll be playing Tenahaw, who's always tough. At number seven, we have Santo, and they'll be playing Chico. Number eight, like we mentioned, Bremond, and they will take on Chilton. At number nine, we have the Albany Lions, and they're matched up against the Miles Bulldogs. And coming in at number 10, we have Granger, and they'll have a challenge with Iola this week. Moving into 2A D1, number one, Timpson stays put, and they are off this week. The number two, Holly Bearcats, takes on Colorado City Wolves. Coming in at number three, we have the Crawford Pirates, and they'll be playing Marlin. At number four, we have the Shiner Comanches, and they'll be matched up against the Three Rivers Bulldogs. At number five, we have the Refurio Bobcats, and they will be playing Skidmore Tynan Bobcats. At number six, we have the Coleman Bluecats. They're matched up this week against the Toller Rattlers, which is also a top 10 matchup. At number seven, we have the Stratford Elks, and they are playing the Farwell Steers. At number eight, we have the Cisco Lobos, and they'll be taking on the Olney Cubs. At number nine, we have Toller, like we mentioned, they're playing number six ranked Coleman this week. And at rounding it out at number 10, we have the Centerville Tigers and they are matched up with the West Harden Oilers. Jordy, take it away with the 3A D2 rankings. Will do, Tobin. So same old, same old at the top. Gunner was off and they're gonna be actually going up against number four, Bells this week. Number two, Holiday. They're going up against Valley View. Newton's going to take on a, if I'm not mistaken, either a 5-1 and one or a 6-0 and oh Hemp Hill, and that's really going to set one of these two teams apart for the district title. Talked about Bells at 4-5 Canadian. They're taking on Childress. Number six, West Rusk. There we go, Tobin. I got it on the first try. Yeah, but you didn't, Rusk, say the Ra- you didn't say Raiders. When you put that Raiders, it's hard. <laughs> West Rusk Raiders taking on Winona. Both hold steady at seven, and they're going to take on South San Antonio West. Number eight, Palmer is going up against Scurry Rosser. The Lexington Eagles are at five and zero, oh, and taking on Florence this week. And number ten, the Wall Hawks, defeated after defeating Mason last week, are taking on San Angelo Grape Creek. Moving up to three AD one, the Franklin Lions. They just keep on keeping on. They're six and zero, oh, and are off this week with a well-deserved bye. Mount Vernon is taking on Winsboro this week. Columbus Cardinals have a huge matchup with Hallettsville, most likely for a district title. Number four, Grandview is taking on Dallas Gateway. Five, the Malakoff Tigers are playing Teague this week. Six, the Bushland Falcons are taking on a very well-known program in the Panhandle. That's Muleshoe. Seven, Breckenridge Buckaroos are playing Iowa Park. Number eight, Winsboro. We talked about them. They've got a matchup with Mount Vernon this week. Number nine, the Lano Yellow Jackets are at 6-0 after defeating Luling. They're going to play Randolph this week. And number 10, Cameron Yo is going to be playing Little River Academy following their bye week. Tobin, let's move over to 4A. Moving into 4A D2, as always, the Carthage Bulldogs keep rolling and they will take on the Canton Eagles. They stay at the number one spot. At number two, we have the Gilbert Buckeyes, and they have a massive district matchup against number three, Texarkana Pleasant Grove. So those are our two and three ranked teams right there. At number four, we have the Quero Gobblers, and they will be challenged by the Giddings Buffaloes this week. At number five, we have the Silsby Tigers, and they are off. At number six, we have the Belleville Brahmas, and they will take on the Brookshire Royal Falcons. At number seven, we have the Wimberley Texans, and they will be matched up with the Gerald Cougars. 
And number eight, we have Wichita Falls Hershey. And they are matched up this week with the Graham Steers. And number nine, we have the Glen Rose Tigers. They are challenged this week by the Venus Bulldogs. And rounding out our top 10 of 4A D2, making their entrance into the top 10, are the Aubrey Chaparrales as they will take on the Val- Van Alstein Panthers. Moving into 4A D1 and holding steady with a massive win last week, we have the number one Stephenville Yellow Jackets, and they have a much-deserved bye this week. And number two, we have the China Spring Cougars, and they have a matchup against the Alvarado Indians. And number three, we have the Corpus Christi Cal Allen Wildcats, and they're matched up against the Laferia Lions. And number four, we have the Bernie Greyhounds. They are challenged this week by the Uvalde Coyotes. And number five, we have the Anna Coyotes, and they have the Maybake Panthers this week. And number six comes in with Salina. They're matched up with the North Dallas Bulldogs. And number seven, the Lumberton Raiders will take on the Splendora Wildcats. And number eight, we have the Kaufman Lions, and they're challenged by the Paris Wildcats this week. And number nine, we have the Canyon Eagles, and they are off this week. And number 10, and rounding out 4AD1, we have the Lindell Eagles, and they will be taking on the Kilgore Bulldogs. Jordy, take us into 5AD2. All right, so it was over at 5AD2. Argyle remains at the top, and they will play Lake Dallas this weekend. Number two, the Liberty Hill Panthers are going to be playing San Antonio Veterans Memorial. Fort Bend Marshall will be taking on Texas City. Four, Texarkana Texas High is on a bye this week. And after their big win over Heritage last weekend, Grapevine is up three spots to five, and they play Fort Worth Polytech. Six, Midlothian Heritage will be playing Mansfield Summit. Montgomery Lake Creek is at seven, and they will take on Lamar Consolidated. Number eight, Wichita Falls Rider will be playing Abilene Cooper. At nine, the Alamo Heights Mules will be playing San Antonio Jefferson. And at number 10, SOC is back in the rankings after defeating Dallas Spruce last weekend. They have a inner city matchup with Kim Ball this weekend. Moving up to our bigger classification, D1. Longview was off, and now they play Forney to defend their number one ranking. Number two, Mansfield Timberview will be off this week. Number three, Denton Ryan will play Burleson Centennial this week. Moving up one spot from five to four is College Station, and they will play Cedar Park this Friday. Number five, Port Arthur Memorial will take on LaPorte. Six, Alito is going to play Fort Worth South Hills. Seven, Frisco Reedy will play Lebanon Trails. Eight, Tascosa will play Lubbock Monterey. Number nine is the Lancaster Tigers, and they're going to play Tyler High. And number 10 is the Richmond Foster Falcons, and they play Kipner this weekend. Tobin closes out with 6A. Yeah, Jordy. So leading off at 6A, staying put at number one, we have the Galena Park North Shore Mustangs, and they will have a tough matchup this week against the Humble Summer Creek Bulldogs. And number two, the Austin Westlake Chaparrales will take on the Austin Anderson Trojans. At number three, we have the Southlake Carroll Dragons, and they will be matched up with the Keller Indians. At number four, we have the Duncanville Panthers, and they will take on the Waxahachie Indians. At number five, we have the Katy Tigers, and they have a massive game against the Katy Paytow Panthers. At number six, we have the Denton Geyer Wildcats, and they are off this week. At number seven, we have the Umbel Atascacita Eagles, and they will take on Beaumont United Timberwolves. At number eight, we have the Cibolo Steel Knights, and they will have a tough matchup on their hands as they play the New Bronxville's Unicorns. At number nine, we have the Allen Eagles, and they are off this week. At number 10, Arlington Martin is also off. 
at number 11, we have the DeSoto Eagles, and they are challenged with the Mansfield Legacy Broncos. At number 12, we have the Highland Park Scots, and they will be taking on the Richardson Berkner Rams. Coming in at number 13, we have the San Antonio Brennan Bears, and they will be matched up with the San Antonio Warren Warriors. At number 14, the Spring Westfield Mustangs. Yeah. At number 14, the Spring Westfield Mustangs will take on Aldine Nimitz Cougars. At number 15, we have Alvin Shadow Creek Sharks, and they'll be playing the Aleaf Elsick. Goodness, the Aleaf Elsick Rams. Coming in at number 16, we have the Dripping Springs Tigers, and they will be playing the Austin Elkins Eagles. At number 17, we have the Austin Vandergriff Vipers, and they are challenged this week by the Round Rock McNeil Mavericks. At number 18, the Prosper Eagles will have a bye. At number 19, we have the Round Rock Dragons, and they are challenged this week by the Matt. They are challenged this week by the Manor Mustangs. Coming in at number 20, we have the Rockwall Yellow Jackets, and they will be matched up with the Royce City Bulldogs. At number 21, we have the Klein Kane Hurricanes, and they will be taking on Crosstown rival Klein Forest Eagles. At number 22, we have another Klein team in the Klein Collins Tigers, and they'll be challenged this week with the Tomball Memorial Wildcats. At number 23, we have the Trophy Club Byron Nelson Bobcats, and they will be taking on the Haltom Buffaloes. Coming in at number 24, we have the North Crowley Panthers, and they'll be looking to stay perfect against the Saginaw Boswell Pioneers. And rounding out our top 25 and coming in from being not ranked this last week, we have the Humble Summer Creek Bulldogs. And like I mentioned, they are matched up with the Galena Park North Shore Mustangs. That rounds out our top 25 rankings for 6A. Everything's kind of starting to mold into place. You can tell, um, you know, South Oak Cliff fell out of the top 10 because they played such a crazy schedule, but now they're back in and, you know, everything's starting to work its way back out. You can tell now. Right. Right. Oh yeah. They, they were at a tough schedule and, uh, you know, at some point they'd be back into the top 10 and, uh, ready to make a run at things when district started. Yeah. So that, that's the new rankings. Interesting to see how everything plays out. got a decent amount of ranked matchups this week, which will transition us pretty well into our primetime picks. So I'll grab one real quick and then send it back over to you. I've got number nine, Toller. They're headed to play Coleman this weekend. And Coleman, you know, they're five and one, and Toller's five and oh. Uh, the one loss for Coleman was actually against a really good Lano team. So I, I, you look at the standings and you look who else is in this district with them. This is not necessarily like whoever wins this is going to win the district. But whoever wins this is going to win the district, if you catch my drift there. And that's why I wanted to put it on our primetime picks to keep an eye out. Uh, it ought to be a great game and a great atmosphere. Um, let, let's go ahead and grab one from you real quick. Yeah, Jordy. So one of my primetime picks in District 12, 3AD2, we have Top 10 Newton and Hemp Hill. So both of these teams are 2-0 and in district. And Newton's obviously ranked in the top 10 right now. But what's being really undersold, I feel like, is Hemp Hill is 6-0 and on the year. So I'm really interested to see who wins this matchup because, like I've reiterated you know, many times this year, being at 3-0 and in district and playing the second-best team or what you would think would be the second-best team moving forward and getting that win will be huge to kind of just really have a stranglehold on that district and kind of be able to solidify that district championship and get that one seed headed into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I felt like at this point in the season, 
if you're six and zero, it doesn't matter the schedule you've played. Yeah, exactly. I'm a little surprised that they're not ranked, to be completely honest. Yeah, and it wasn't a weak schedule at all. I mean, I guess that is a loaded division, but I, I guess I could see where the ranking, the people doing the rankings are coming from. Um, which moves me over to my second pick of the week, and that is Muleshoe. Uh, you know, typically they're the ones that like really catch your eye. They've been the state multiple times over there west of Lubbock. But they, uh, they're coming into this game 5-1, and one, and they're going to be traveling to Bushland, who's ranked in the top 10. They're undefeated. They're 6-0. and oh. um, You know, I said earlier that this game, that the uh, Toller game was going to, quote, unquote, decide the district, even though it's too early to do that. This one's not necessarily the same case because you also have Shallow Water, who's a really good program, and they're going to vie for the district title. But this one will give – some breathing room to the winner. Whoever wins this game will be able to go into that shallow water playing loose, playing free, and not with their backs up against the wall. So I'm really interested to just really see that district play out in general, but in particular this game this week. And then, Tobin, you got one more for us, don't you? I do. So we're going to stay in 3AD2. Um, district 8 has a top five state-ranked matchup between the Gunner Tigers and the Bells Panthers. Everybody knows Gunner. They're a mainstay in the top, really top three in the state rankings every year. They're always a threat to get back to Cowboy Stadium or the state championship game, wherever that's going to be held. And then we have Bells, on the other hand, and they're ranked number four right now. They're four and one, and they've played a tough schedule. They've really kind of, they. I feel like they've held their own, and uh, their only loss is a close loss to Whitesboro. Um, other than that, they played some bigger schools and really kind of handled them. Bells isn't one of those mainstays, but they've really their programs on an upward tra- trajectory over the last couple years. I mean, last year they were nine and four. The year before that, they were nine and three. So is this the year they're finally able to get over that hump and beat Gunner? Because if they do, that's a huge statement win, and that puts them at one and zero in district. And you have to think if they get that win over Gunner, that they're they're going to be able to to kind of. I wouldn't say steamroll through that district because there's a couple other teams that are four and one in that district, uh, being Howe and Leonard, but you have to think that gives them a leg up. Yeah, that, we've got some um, district deciders or very – a lot of games this week that you really think are going to put – that are really going to start to shape out the playoff picture starting this week and moving forward. I, I think – you know, you're going to be in the third game of district for some people, and those smaller district one game meets means so much. So now that everybody's in district, a lot of these games are really important for your playoff seedings and, and making the playoffs in general. I guess that – and I guess that takes us to the game of the week, Tobin. Yes, sir. So do you want to announce it or would you like for me to? I'll let you, I'll let you do the intro. So, drum roll. That was awful, but – you know, we, we, we got what we got. That's so, what sound effects are for. This week, for our game of the week, we have... The Gilmer Buckeyes versus the Pleasant Grove Hawks, which is a top five matchup. It is going to have huge district implications. And just overall, a massive East Texas game. I mean, these two teams have had this game circled from the start of the season, and it's going to be an absolute knockdown, dragout fight. And I'm 
absolutely excited to see what happens because these two teams could very well meet back up in the playoffs. Normally we've been doing this and looking at how great offenses are and trying to figure out how the defense are going to stop each other. I think the big question we're going to have tonight is how are they going to score on each other? That's a good question. So um, we'll go ahead and jump on into that. Uh, the one thing I noticed about Gilmer is that their linebackers are really – they flow really well and they plug extremely well. Um, the defensive line is disruptive, and they just, they're just they just flying around on defense. The defense is what flew off the tape to me when I, when I watched them. And looked yeah, at I, I definitely agree with that. One of the things that really impressed me is – Gilmer's going to run a 3-4, but they bring the linebackers up, whether that's bringing pressure up the middle uh, through the through the A-gap or bringing it on the edges and just disrupting whatever's going on. But they love to dial up their blitzes, and they do it a lot, and they're good at it. They, they, they get home a lot on those blitzes. And just from what you said, those linebackers are really good. They're very disruptive. Yeah, and, and listen to the schedule they've played. Chapel Hill. Yep. Kilgore. Paris. And Lindale, they're get, they're giving up just over twenty points a game playing that tough of a schedule. That that's that's something to be said. And you know, a couple of these games were not particularly close. So you don't even I'd have to go back and watch every game to figure it out. But I'm assuming that some of those are garbage time when the game is already out of, not in doubt anymore, and they're giving up. You know, maybe the third string or JV or you know whatever is giving up some points there. So I'm uh. Really interested to see uh, really just these – I, I just think it's going to be a defensive slugfest because on the other side, Pleasant Grove's defense is huge and super athletic. Yeah, one of the things that – you know, there wasn't a lot of out there on Pleasant Grove, but what we were able to find was that Brock game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one of the things that I was impressed with is they run a 4-2-5, but those safeties will come down and play a little bit in the, in the box – and in that Brock game, if it wasn't for that defense that Pleasant Grove has, like Brock could have ran away with it because it was seven to nothing at half. And then Brock came out and they got the ball at half. And I don't know if you saw number 15, but number 15's name is Jalen Borley. The dude is an absolute stud at linebacker. He tipped a ball up in the air and like he gets turned around and he catches it. And then he returns it to about the five setting up Pleasant Grove with a great field position. Obviously, you know, got it back to the five, but um, that dude is an absolute stud. But that defense is just solid all around because Brock's a really good team and to hold them seven to seven points for a half and keep your, your team in the game. And it really let the offense kind of settle back in because they ended up winning that game 28 to seven. Flipping the script there, we're going to go Pleasant Grove defense versus the Gilmer offense. What, did, what are you thinking there? Because I saw some really athletic offensive linemen for Gilmer that you know, in the screen game and then the pulling yeah. game, they are very efficient there and they can get to the second level and they they can play with a linebacker in space. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that that statement on the line of that they do really good of getting to the second level and setting up those screens. One of my things about Gilmer is their offense is just super balanced. So they have two running backs, number nine, Ashton Haynes, and number two, 22, Will Henderson. Both of them are averaging over 100 yards a game. And then in the air, they're at about 200 yards. You have to really account for at wide receiver number four, Rohan Fluellen, and number seven, Tarek Tate. They have so many playmakers on offense that it's really – you don't know where it's going to come from. They can hit you in so many different ways. So there's just a lot of people to keep up with and keep your eye on. And the quarterback, 
uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, um, but he's a big physical kid. And I mean, he, he doesn't, ru- he doesn't rush a ton, but I think he's at like 75 or 80 yards a game. And so he's, he can, he can do things as well. I mean, they, they just have a lot of guys that you have to account for, but like we said, that, that Pleasant Grove defense, they kind of fly around. So that's going to be, that'll be, that's going to be fun to watch. I think it was the brother or the quarter or the cousin of last year's uh, quarterback for Gilmer. And that's uh, uh, something C uh, Tennyson, C Tennyson. I can't remember. Kate. But anyways, Tennyson is uh, the quarterback and he's a sophomore. He played wide receiver for them last year on varsity with the run that they had with his relative. Caden Tennyson. Cade. That's right. Caden. Caden. Dang. But his accuracy in the intermediate game is – there's nothing more you could want out of him there. Uh, he leaves a little bit to be desired on the accuracy and the deep ball, but they they put the ball in space pretty well, and they don't necessarily have to hit the deep shots because they can make plays in space at the line of scrimmage is what yeah, I saw yeah. in the little bit of film that and, I found on And that. the thing is, is like I, like I mentioned on those two wide receivers, uh, number four, Flew Allen, and number six, seven, Tate, if you get the, the ball in the, interme- in the intermediate, they're going to do the rest. So that's all you have to be good at. Cause then that, that makes sure that makes it where the linebackers can't creep up and really creep up into that box to stop that two headed monster of the run game. Yeah. And then you talked about Haynes in the running game. He, uh, he can squeeze through the hole pretty, pretty quick. Uh, there was one play in particular where they're running uh, some kind of dart or counter with him and the guard pulls and you, from the, profile doesn't really look like there's much of a hole there and he like disappears for half a second and the next thing he shot out about five ten yards down the line of scrimmage and uh i think he ended up getting tackled about the 10 yard line for about a 40 yard gain or so but um and that's the thing on gilmer that i wonder is they're not necessarily the biggest guys up front but they're they're very quick and they can get to their pressure points to where they can turn you around and create just the smallest gap and I would be interested to see if that really big Pleasant Grove defensive line is able to control the line of scrimmage or how that plays out with the run game. Yeah, definitely. And then, Jordy, I kind of want to talk about the Pleasant Grove offense. It really lives in – it really starts and finishes uh, with number seven, Spencer Danner. This kid is one of the most physical runners that I've seen this year. I mean, there were a couple plays where Brock just had him bottled up, and he absolutely made – he got – it seemed like he was going to lose four yards and he ended up gaining four or five yards. I mean, this kid is an absolute stud. And then I mentioned number 15 on defense, Jalen Borley. You have to watch out for him on offense as well. He plays both sides. And, like, the dude is just an absolute baller. Like, I I haven't done a lot of research on this kid, but I want to see what classification is and see if he, like, what offers he has because there's no doubt in my mind that he can play at the next level. And then – <clears throat> with with what Pleasant Grove does on offense, they run a lot of misdirection and kind of it's it's really kind of hard to figure out who has the ball. Number three, I don't they, their their roster is not updated to where I can see. Number three is a smaller back, so when they start getting the guys moving, you know, with with the slot T, what they do, and and by the time you figure out he has the ball, he's gone because he hides behind that offensive line really well. Like he might only be like five five or five six from what I saw on film. Granted, it's hard to see you know, get the right height on film, but he's hiding behind that line. And then boom, he's gone. Once, once people figure out he has the ball. Running out of the slot T like that. One thing that we've talked about, I think it might've been last season where we talked about scheduling teams like that, getting you ready for 
to play a team like that that you know you might have to play in district or get to the playoffs and play one of those. And then we also talked about, you know, uh, Wing T Mafia down in South Texas and stuff like that and how those got how those teams can sneak up on people when they get to the playoffs because if you're not used to seeing it. Well, yeah, Lindale, Lindale ran something very similar to that. And I think that this will – you know, it, it'll really help the eye discipline for the Gilmer defense having already seen it for, you know, a week of game prep and, and the game itself, plus this week. So two weeks of game prep and the game itself. That being said, I got to eat some crow from last week. It's about time. I've eaten crow all year. Stephenville folks, I'm sorry for picking against you. I told you the quarterback would, would be right. He would be up for the game, up for it. Mr. Gafford, I'm sorry for uh, Mr. Ryan Gafford. I'm sorry for doubting your poise. And your composure. I will say that it was close at halftime, so I wasn't totally off there. But congratulations to Stephenville on a big win. This week, I'll go first, and then you can just decide if you're going to follow me or however you want to play that. But this week, I'm going to go with Pleasant Grove. I don't know where you were going to go with it. I really like the defensive line controlling this game for Pleasant Grove and then the offense doesn't isn't going to need to do much I don't think not so much worried about the offensive production as I I think they're going to be playing with a short field a couple times in the famous words of Lee Corso not so fast my friend I'm going to go with the Gilmer Buckeyes I think that that two-headed running back tandem they have with Haynes and Henderson is going to be too much because those linebackers are going to have to stay home to guard against that intermediate pass because Tennyson, like you said, he puts the ball and the money on the intermediate, and once those receivers kind of get going, it's hard to t- stop them. And then also, I really like what Gilmer does on defense. They're going to bring the pressure. The only thing I'm concerned on is they do blitz a lot, so they could blitz themselves out of, you know, not. you really got to stay in your gaps against Pleasant Grove. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about, but they are aggressive, and if they, they get their keys right, they, they could they, – this – I, I have to like their chances. So give me the Gilmer Buckeyes. Give me the Gilmer Buckeyes 28-24. I don't think it'll be that high. You never know. I, I, I 17-13 Pleasant Grove. Okay. Yeah, I Let's like see. it. I'm probably wrong again. I've been wrong quite a bit. My fantasy team took its first loss last week, so – because I, could, I decided to start Garrett Wilson instead of Adam Thielen, and I'm not happy about it. Needed to get that one off my chest. Some other games of note this week, it's uh, rivalries are really starting to pick up. Bay City and El Campo, the Black Cats are doing some damage this year. They uh, have been down for quite a bit. You know, I, my, my dad always talks about how Bay City used to be one of those teams you did not want to see at all. And, uh, you know, they've been kind of an easy dub for people as of late. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they come into this game with their only loss to Navasota. And Navasota is a really good team. Um, that's very respectable. So El Campo, since losing the Miller and Cuero to start the season, is now undefeated. I know Odessa Permian is playing Odessa high. I know. So and one thing that I'm going to put Monahan's Texas on blast real quick. They are playing Pecos this week, and everybody from Monahan says that Pecos and Monahan's is not a rivalry, but Pecos thinks it is. But the problem is you can't start talking trash about Pecos every time you hear the word or town Pecos and not say it's a rivalry. 
If it's not a rivalry, you don't care. And you're not going to talk about how much better you are than them at everything. I, It's a very one-sided rivalry as of late, but that's definitely a rivalry. And Keep an eye on 2AD2, <coughs> number five, Chilton, and number eight, Bremon. Those teams do not like each other. Um, it's a, like Jordy said, rivalry game, and it's a top 10 ranked matchup. And these two teams are always in the same district, and that game always has huge implications. So that's one that I really have my eye on. Both are 5-0, and and it's just – there's always some craziness with that one. Well, we will holler at y'all next week. we got a really big interview next week that we're excited about. Uh, I know we're going to talk to Coach Owens over at Idaloo, and we're going to have a player interview. So we gotta, we're going to make up for being sick this week, and we're going to bring you a loaded schedule next week. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Tobes, say some prayers for the Aggies. I just hope everybody comes back in one piece at this point. I agree. <laughs> we'll see y'all later. Thank you. All right. Later, uh, man. What oh, do you think? Stop your gambling.